Thanks for tuning in to Witch Wednesdays with Steph and Tara, where we share our knowledge as we chat about a new witchcraft topic every Wednesday morning. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. This is Steph. And this is Tara. And you are listening to episode number 66 about finding your pagan path. Woohoo! And this is going to be a really long one. Um, we already know. So, <laughs> um, so strap in and get yourself some coffee or tea. And um, hopefully you enjoy this uh, intro to pagan paths. We're calling it an intro, even though it's, it's still really long. <laughs> it's intense, guys. It's super intense. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully you will enjoy. Yes. All the info. I just wanted to let you know that the notes, this outline that we're reading off of right now is going to be up on Patreon, of course, and witchwednesdays.com. So uh, if you don't need to take notes or try to figure out the spelling of anything, we will have all of those notes for you to reference. If anything we talk about sounds interesting to you. Yeah, there's just a lot of information here, guys. So what we are talking about today is finding your pagan path because a lot of people have questions related to deity work and we have that episode coming up but this seemed like a good starter episode because we went over Mm -hmm. wicca and we wanted to talk a little bit about different pagan paths that are not wicca and path is a little bit different than practice we've talked about witchcraft practice before and eclectic witchcraft and how that changes and the different types of witches there are like the green witch or hedge witch or things like that and that is more specific to the practice of you know casting spells and what you do in those like little daily practices your spell work and things like that whereas a path is more of an overarching theme of how you follow a certain pagan path in witchcraft it isn't technically related to your practice you can follow any one of these pagan paths as more of a religious or spiritual or ancestry background and not actually practice spell work within that um if you might just be interested in connecting like with these ancestors and things like that but uh, it is different than practice path versus practice is what we're trying to say there so uh these paths are what are traditionally known as traditional witchcraft so there is a divide between traditional witchcraft versus versus neo-pagan or new age movements and that's the camp that wicca is in we'll get to that a little further down on the list (laughs) so the first ones we're going to talk about are these um, traditional witchcraft paths and every witch who says that they're traditional is going to have a completely um, different idea of yes. what that means oh, gosh. because the only element of a traditional craft that's considered a must um, is that the individual witches personal beliefs and practices must be rooted in the traditions of times gone by so there's a lot of you know quote-unquote traditional paths that have a lot of modern ideas incorporated mm-hmm. into them which is fine but to claim that you are a traditional witch, traditional witchcraft path, you must be involved to some extent in following where other witches have gone before you. History matters. So (laughs) we are going to talk about some of these different witchcraft traditions and different paths that are considered traditional. So one of these might call out to you. 
And it's usually said that witchcraft has its roots in European and primarily British traditions. And that is very true and probably what most people believe because that's what Wicca is based on. And like we've said, those get changed around a lot. But that's obviously not the case Mm -hmm. worldwide because witchcraft developed in isolation in lots of different cultures and practices in America, Africa, European, all different parts of the world. So that is what we are going to talk to you about today. (laughs) There's lots. (laughs) So getting into that, we um, have a list for you that is, of course, alphabetical, but not at all exhaustive. Mm -hmm. There's probably like ones that we forgot. We're trying to touch on like the most common ones, ones that we get questions about and just give you like the official names and a little bit about how those practices work in case they sound interesting to you. Then that is something that you can go ahead and research more if that sounds like the path that you might want to go down. In Do your keep in mind that any group <laughs> that is isolated is going to come up with their own path and traditions. So that's why one, why there's so many and two, why we don't have them all because we might not even know all of them. <laughs> so. <laughs> so first up um, the list is the African traditions. So different African tribes refer to witchcraft differently. And in these traditions, there's generally three classifications of practitioners who use magic. The first is called the Thakathi. Again, not sure how we're going to pronounce all these correctly, but we will have them spelled correctly. And that's why I made Steph do this one, because there is no way I can pronounce any of these even close to correctly. (laughs) (laughs) The Thakathi is a malevolent practitioner who operates in secret to harm others or uses poisons. The Sangoma is usually female who is a diviner and predicts or advises on a person's future. And the Inyaga is exclusively male and is the doctor of the tribe or a naturopath. And each Inyaga trains his son and therefore the information is passed down from generation to Hello, generation. Traditions. And <laughs> within African traditions, a lot of people um, group in Santeria and Vodun or angelicized in the U.S. as voodoo. But these are religions. So we are keeping those separate from the idea of witchcraft traditions yep. because not all these traditions have like, these like religious aspects to them. So Santeria and voodoo are considered closed yes, religions. they're very different. Uh, next up is American traditions. So ancient peoples believe that the gods they rever- revered See, I can't even pronounce English words. Uh, Inhabited the land itself. Uh, When these early pagans wished to honor their gods, they created a connection with the land, with animals, where their gods resided, the land on which they stood. So uh, new lands became an extension of the homeland. And when witches within the homeland, they evoke or invoke uh, the land itself as a connection to the spirit world. So it's quite natural for European settlers of traditional pagan past to adopt local myths and customs. So this leads to a plethora of smaller traditions within that overscope of American traditions. And some of these you've probably heard of. <laughs> yeah, there's there's uh, quite a few. So we're just going to touch on three like main ones that kind of come up. And again, we are not specifically talking about Native American no. traditions because those are closed religions. And neither of us so. <laughs> know enough about them to speak coherently on. Correct. So the first sort of American tradition is the 
Appalachian granny tradition, which is Appalachian folk magic that dates back to the first settlers of the Appalachian Mountains who came here from Scotland and Ireland in the 1700s and brought with them the old world magical traditions. And these traditions were then blended with the local Cherokee Cherokee tribes um, in a combination of like herbal folk remedies, charms, faith healing, storytelling, and magic. And granny witches will also call themselves doctor witches or water witches, depending on if they're more gifted in healing and midwifery or if they are more in tune with dowsing for water and ley lines and energy vortexes. And this tradition is termed granny from the prominent role played by older women in the mountain communities. And if you're wondering where I fall on this sort of pagan path list, it's in this one. In case you you were curious, that's me. (laughs) So next up um, is hoodoo tradition. It's also known as conjuring or root work. It's the American witchcraft tradition created by African-American slaves. It's a folk magic. uh, Traditionally, and I'm sorry, I'm going to mispronounce this, the Galha people? Gala Gala people people. of South Carolina, low country. Their roots are in spiritual practices that involved evolved from a number of West African traditions. So it's really a blending of that as well as American Indian spirituality, European ceremonial magic, and West African traditions all kind of blend together to form uh, hoodoo traditions. It's considered a offshoot of the Appalachian granny magic. And the last American tradition I'm going to touch on is the powwow tradition or Pennsylvania Dutch. And that's taken from the Algonquin word, which is powwow and means vision seeker. And its principles encompass all the shaman like rituals of healing through visions and traditional medicines that are accompanied with prayers, songs, dances. And the Powa tradition places great significance on this vision, vision seeker as the central connection of all the group activities and rituals. Mm-hmm. And um, some people claim that powwow is German in origin, but it's mostly an amalgamation of these local American Indian traditions with Dutch immigrants of pagan heritage who settled in that Pennsylvania region. Next up is Asian traditions. So in Japan, the Shinto religion is itself a shamanistic, shamanistic, uh, shaman, shamanistic, uh, religion, and thus the Japanese do not attach native connotations to witchcraft, which is awesome. Just going to throw that in there. Uh, that's not part of the history lesson here. Uh, the word witch is actually used with positive connotations in the Japanese language as a female with high skills or fame. So Asian witchcraft generally centers on the relationship between the witch and animal spirits or familiars. And witches are commonly separated into two categories, those who employ snakes as familiars and those who employ foxes. The fox witch is the most common in Japan. So in China, witches use books, staffs, and other implements similar to Western traditions. um, And they're often accompanied by familiars in the form of rabbits, which are universally associated with the moon, fertility, and the goddess. The witches of China... um, are notable for their extensive knowledge of occult properties of plants and herbs, as well as their study of astrology and clairvoyance. Next is the Australian Aboriginal tradition. Aboriginal female elders were labeled by Christian missionaries as witches, or if they were men, they were witch doctors. And these missionaries saw this traditional female practice of, it's called Yilpinji, or love magic. 
as witchcraft. So Yilpinji is achieved through an integration of myth, song, and gesture, and art against the background of the Aboriginal sort of countryside. So there's not a ton of information on this one, but it is still super interesting. Next is the Baltic tradition. This is like Estonia, Latvia, uh, Lithuania. So pagan and folk religions in this area are still thriving. The old pagan religions are more or less continued into today, but they've got a lot of influences from more shamanistic elements. Um, so for many people, the traditional customs and songs at seasonal festivals are just part of the fabric of everyday life. So pretty much everyone is practicing in some way. Baltic witches are primarily, and I apologize, this pronunciation is going to be terrible, Aguri. Aguri. See, I could not <laughs> even say that at all. Uh, and they're similar to shamans. Next is the British or English tradition, which is not to be confused with British traditional Wicca. Nope. We'll get to that. And this is the belief in magic or magical practices that have been document documented in the Burton Isles for thousands of years. And the belief that witches have magical influence over the natural world. And this idea has existed as long as Britain itself. So there are many people in Britain today who are practicing a form of witchcraft that's based on the practices and beliefs of the witches who have gone before them and passed down through generations. Yep. Next is the Bruja, which is Latin American tradition. Uh, Bruja or Brujo is used to apply to someone practicing low magic within a Hispanic and or American Indian cultural context. So contemporary practitioner of witchcraft or other neo-pagan religion might not be considered a Bruja, but the classic old wise woman on the edge of town who offers hexes and charms, and she would often be considered a Bruja. The practice, which is a form of folk magic, usually involves charms, love spells, curses, hexes, and even divination. Many practices are rooted in a blend of folklore, traditional herbal herbalism, and Catholicism, because Catholicism is so prevalent that it just kind of got swept in. <laughs> in general, Bruja has negative associations. Uh, can also be associated with shape-shifting demons, but uh, Latin American witches are working to reclaim the term. The Celtic tradition is the Irish tradition um, that are many traditions under this heading of Celtic, and mm -hmm. Celtic paths are some of the most popular traditional witchcraft traditions. They're mostly very eclectic and hold on to these ancient Celtic myths, um, divinities, magic, and rituals. They're usually physical and spiritual healers who work with plants, stones, flowers, trees, the fauna, and fairy. And, of course, the most well-known and whimsical part of the Celtic path is a belief in the Yay. fae, which we've talked about a mm -hmm. few times. Next is the Cornish tradition. Cornish witchcraft is part of a folk tradition and mythology, and it's centered in Cornwall, which is in southwest England. It consists partly of folk traditions developed in Cornwall and partly of traditions developed by people of Wales, Ireland, and Britain that kind of get absorbed into this tradition. There are a lot of traditional folklore in Cornwall, often tales of giants and mermaids. Traditional magic of Cornwall witches, Cornish witches, uh, includes the work and making of magical charms, simple rituals, magical gestures, incantations, the healing of disease and injury, as well as divination. Hey, another Currently popular path is the Egyptian or Kemetic tradition. So very traditional Egyptian witchcraft is not a common nope. practice today. Um, but many people who follow a magical path are drawn to the pantheon of Egypt in their studies. So a lot of people who practice, you know, Egyptian witchcraft, quote unquote, today are usually following a variation of Wicca. 
and it will include these Egyptian deities, but it's not exactly the same as this ancient Egypt, Egyptian practice um, because like circles, altars, and spells are all Wiccan-based, but when you use the terminology in the Egyptian gods and goddesses and the rituals that were performed in the time of ancient Egypt, those were things were usually performed by yes. priests. So it, it's hard to follow that traditional pra- practice because you are not an ancient Egyptian priest. And if you are, so. we would really like to talk to you in depth. <laughs> um, the actual like spiritual path from Egypt is called Kemeticism, and that's it's closer to true Egyptian witchcraft and religion. Um, so many spells and rituals in this line of witchcraft center on the afterlife and ensuring the safety and success of the soul after death. And the Egyptian Book of the Dead is very well known and filled with all of these spells. Um, healing magic is also common and um, scientific medical practices. And the spells and rituals in traditional Egyptian witchcraft um, are often associated with the astro- astronomical timetables. And it's they're very interesting because they are themselves almost identical to other cultural traditions that exist around the world, which you've seen in like the pyramids and things and how things line up in Egypt in the same way that they do in South America. And those two like um, societies evolved obviously without any notice of each other, interaction of each other because they follow this same astronomical um, timetable. So super interesting. Right. (laughs) So next up is the Hellenistic or ancient Greek tradition. A Greek witch is called, uh, I'm going to lean on Steph for this. Pharmakis. There you go. Uh, which basically means an herb woman, which today we have the word pharmacist from the same word. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> their basic tradition is working with herbs, medicines, and poisons. Many Greek traditional witches uh, work with Hecate, the ancient Greek goddess of magic, witchcraft, the night, moon, ghost, necromancy. There's a lot of really good books about Hecate if you're interested in learning more about this path. Next is the Nordic tradition, which is a type of traditional witchcraft practiced in Norse and Germanic tribal societies, which flourished during the Northern European Iron Age. In Norse mythology, (laughs) it's associated with both the god Odin and the goddess Freya. You probably have heard of them. Uh, Sifa, which is, I know that's how it's pronounced, but not at all. No, it's it's spelled spelled way differently, guys. You're going to be like, what? S-E-I-O-R is how it's spelled, but it is pronounced Sifa. I'm sure of it. And that is the Icelandic word used to describe what their magical rituals are like. So Sifa is a ceremony that involves altered states of consciousness and the, you know, cross-dimensional journeys where the witches would gain secret knowledge and accumulate great power, which was handed to them by the gods themselves. So most of the symbols in Nordic tradition appear to be for solving problems in life, like from catching a thief or overthrowing an army. Others help heal livestock or also curse the animals of another person. There's charms to preserve food and ale, um, symbols to help with fishing and prevent drowning. There are so many um, things out of Nordic witchcraft and symbolism that directly involved are uh, related to the everyday life of the ancient Nordic people practicing this. Uh, and many of the Nordic female witches are called augury witches who practice the meditation for the purpose of clairvoyance and divination. Next up is the Romanic ancient Rome tradition. Generally a witch in the Roman era had one of the most evil reputations in ancient witchcraft. They were not popular. 
a female witch, according to Roman folklore, was a Strix, a night owl that could assume human form and was the enemy of humans. The line between wise women who use magic and a Strix demon was really thin, like paper thin or less. Those who do practice in the Roman way work through animal spirit intermediaries, primary owl familiars of owl now being seen as a bringer of wisdom, ruler of secrets and omens, and the bestower of intuition and clairvoyance. The Roman witch's magic will usually reflect the powers of the animal they work through, which, as we said, is often an owl, but not always. And then we have one kind of grouped all these three together. That is the Scottish tradition. Pictish and Hecatine traditions. So a, this, these are all a solitary form of witchcraft from ancient Scotland. Um, since the beginning of tribal life in Scotland, there were men and women who worked with nature, elements, herbs, um, and worked as seers. And they were known as soothsayers or also healers, magicians. And they lived and worked peacefully among all the tribes. Pictish witchcraft um, is all about all the aspects of nature, animal, vegetable, and mineral. It's more magical in nature and practice than it is religious. And Pictus witches are solitary and rarely, if ever, do they work in groups or covens. And Hecatine are even more solitary and there's very little known about them. There you go. Uh, Slavic or Russian tradition. Um, Traditionally, the power of magic is considered a realistic part of life. It just is. It exists out there. It is believed that anybody can learn witchcraft with the proper teaching, and that teaching often comes in the form of riddles that the initiate must solve. The Slavic witch often possesses the ability to astral travel and can easily fall in and out of trance states. Russia is considered the birthplace of traditional shamanism, and Slavic witchcraft draws heavily on that influence. Strageria or Italian tradition is next and Strageria is the archaic Italian word for witchcraft and it's also sometimes referred to as La Vecchia Religione or the old religion. They follow a tradition that is based on the appreciation of wisdom and beauty and it's a collection of practices that have descended from the native traditions of the Italian and Sicilian regions. To many modern Strategerian witches, most Catholic saints are simply considered ancient pagan gods that are dressed in Christian garb. And the majority of them have now removed this Catholic veneer and restored them to their pagan deity heritage. And we have seen this numerous times when we talk about um, the pagan holidays and um, the Sabbath traditions, how a lot of the um, saints in Catholicism are really derived from these ancient pagan gods. So in the Italian tradition, they've just reverted them all back. Uh, Tetunic, I am not saying that right at all, Germanic tradition. Uh, from ancient times, they were recognized as a group of people who speak the Germanic group of languages. There's a whole group of languages here, people. It's not just German. Culturally, this includes English, Dutch, Icelandic, Danish, Norwegian, and Swedish peoples. Uh, one of these witches finds inspiration in the different tradition myths and legends and in the gods and goddesses of the homeland which are different for each individual dialect. So this is a big umbrella to cover a lot of different areas. <laughs> it is. If you're interested in sort of that, that tradition and that's where your, your heritage, heritage is, you have a lot of study yeah. ahead of you. <laughs> There's a lot of details there. And the last one on this list, well, this part of the list, is the Welsh tradition, which stems from the Wales region of the United Kingdom. And there's a lot of overlap in this area with Celtic and Scottish witchcraft, but there are a number of unique characteristics 
um, to Welsh witchcraft specifically. So they place great reliance on the power of a wise man or wise woman. And witchcraft in Wales has long been connected to healing. A witch was someone who made poultices and medicines and perhaps had charms or spells for healing cattle, other farm animals. And Welsh witches believe themselves to be one of the oldest witchcraft traditions. Yep. So the next part of this is to talk a little bit about neo-pagan or new age movements. There's just a couple on here that we're going to run through and then a couple of Wiccan traditions, little sex within Wicca, Mm -hmm. and then um, chat about how to find your path. Because we're talking about a lot of them. And we're not done. Yes. So the first on these neo-pagan movements is Asatru. Now there's going to be a lot more out there. There are lots of neo-pagan movements. We're just kind of mentioning the most common that you might have Mm -hmm. heard of. So Asatru is regarded as a modern day attempt to revive the old Norse faith. Now we talked about the Nordic tradition. So this is sort of a modern revival of it. And its followers today hold as closely as possible to the original religion of ancient Norse paganism. And the modern version is polytheistic and centered around the worship of eight main deities, along with other minor deities and supernatural beings of various importance and their rites and rituals are centered upon the exchange of gifts with the gods and with their kingdom. And then next up is Druidry. And I know I'm mispronouncing that, but that's the best I got. No, you got it right. (laughs) Um, In the Celtic tradition uh, religion, the modern works of Druids denote the practice of ancient Druids, uh, which are priestly class in ancient Britain and Gaul. The historical knowledge of the Druids is very limited, so there's no Druidic documents that survive. So it's a lot of based on speculation and practice and best guesses, but it's a really popular movement. It's based in nature, and so it is. Yeah, Druidry is very popular, but definitely not a lot. No, nothing survived. Yeah. from ancient Druids. So they were not all about the writing things down. <laughs> uh, next is the Fairy Movement, F-E-R-I, which is a modern movement begun in the 1940s by Victor Anderson, and it was originally called the Vitia tradition. And it has its own theology with its own gods. You might have heard of some of these, the Star Goddess, the Divine Twins, and the Blue God. This is a widely popular one on YouTube. There you go. Uh, humanistic Movement, this humanistic practitioners follow a nature-centered path uh, as con- contract- uh, contrasted, wow, can I talk, with a deity- deity-centered path. So these practitioners tend to be uh, atheists or non-theistic, and they define their approach to their interpretation of the craft through the direct experience of the natural world and not through any intervention with gods, goddesses, but they do still seek the power of nature. And the next one is the Indigo Children. And Indigo Children is a very popular one right now. They commonly believe their souls come from another planet, galaxy, or dimension, and that they are the offspring or of extraterrestrial beings. And they have a psychic connection with these beings. And the most popular subset of this is Star Seeds. Star Seeds is a hugely popular term right now on YouTube and Instagram. So if you're wondering what the heck a star seed is, this is where it comes from. And people who identify as star seeds commonly believe that they descend from the ancient star people. So there you go. Next up, we're going to go into the Wiccan movement. We've talked a little bit about there are different sects of the Wiccan religion. There's quite a few of them. Uh, it is a modern religion. And as such, it was created by Gardner in England, as we had 
uh, previously explained. It's uh, a connotation of ancient Western European folk traditions mixed with ancient Egyptian, um, Kabbalism, mysticism. It's a mix of a lot of things, but it is rooted in, quote, ancient traditions, which is why it falls in this spectrum of <laughs> paths that you can follow. <laughs> uh, so we're just going to mention a couple of the sects. There are obviously a lot of them. And what's kind of available around you is going to depend on which mm-hmm. area you're in. Um, so the first is Alexandrian Wicca, which is more eclectic in practice. Um, but in most ways, it's very close to the uh, original Gardnerian mm-hmm. movement. Next is the British traditional. This is an umbrella term that basically any tradition established in Britain, <laughs> the most prominent of which is the Gardenier, uh, the Alexandria. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of them. Um, they all started <laughs> back in the 1950s, but there are more modern um, ones that have developed. But they practice a form of neo-pagan tr- religion, which is more in line with New Age um, versus necessarily traditional Wiccan practice. There's also the Dianic Wicca, which is sometimes referred to as a modern cult of Diana. And this is the most feminist Wiccan movement with most Dianic witches worshiping the goddess Diana exclusively. So we talked about the Wiccan deities and the balance between male and female. There is no balance in Dianic Wicca. They are exclusively fans of the female. Uh, Eclectic Wicca, this is a term that applies to any practitioner of Wicca that doesn't fall into one of the other Wiccan movements, uh, I personally fall on this one. So it's an individual that may create his or her own traditions and beliefs and practices um, because their system can't be labeled as something else. It just falls under this nice umbrella term. You can be solitary, a coven. Uh, there's many, many ways to be eclectic. <laughs> so there are examples of practitioners that would not be a part of any oath-bound lineage which uh, is one of the primary foundations of many of the other Wiccan traditions. So they practice more traditional paths. Basically, wherever the area you are in, if it doesn't fall within one of the other paths, you're eclectic. You can do group, coven, (laughs) singular, solo practice. It can be whatever you want. So Next is Gardnerian Wicca. So this is the followers of the very original Wicca as founded by Gerald Mm -hmm. Gardner. So according to the manifesto, this Wiccan practice has a fairly dogmatic set of elaborate ceremonies and rituals, which are overseen by his own initiated lineage of priests and priestesses. So there's no way to practice Gardnerian Wicca without being in a coven and being indoctrinated yes. into it. Too. They have yeah. very strict practices, guys. Next up is the Saxon Wicca. It was founded by Raymond Buckland in 1973, and it's loosely based on Saxon paganism. Uh, It does not require initiation or membership into a coven or lineage group. Members can self-dedicate themselves to the path, and they are encouraged to add or modify rituals and practices as needed. So Germanic deities and runes play a significant part in the practice, but it's very individualized. So that is all of them. Obviously, there's a lot of ways you can go within Wicca as far as how much you know oversight that you want and how strict rules that you want and obviously witchcraft paths there are so so many (laughs) so let's get into how to find your path now as you were listening to this you may have heard one or two that automatically like sparked your interest and you were like hey i already work with those norse 
deities. Maybe I should look more into that. Or, um, you know, the Greek one sounds really interesting to me. And maybe Hecate is more my speed. So if that was like your, your gut intuition, then, you know, definitely look more into that. But we have some other things for you to consider if you're still struggling to find your path and should go without saying that you don't have to find a path. So if you just want to keep on being eclectic and not ever uh, source yourself into one of these paths or any of the other ones out there, you definitely don't have to. It has nothing to do with your practice. It's just another way to sort of incorporate your path and your heritage into your witchcraft or you're looking to um, get some more ideas or feel more connected, then you can choose one of these, but you definitely don't have to. So first thing to consider um, is ancestry. It's probably the most common um you do not have to follow the pagan religion that directly Mm -hmm. matches your ancestry but it can be a good starting point if you're not sure where to begin so in certain pagan paths ancestor quote-unquote worship it's it's not the same thing as worship but working with your ancestors is a big part of the practice Um, and then others it's not as important so for example hoodoo ancestors are a big part of their practice so you might not be able to experience the practice fully if you don't share that ancestry, meaning having African-American slaves in your ancestry. You know, there are still like, you can still do conjuring and root work, but within that hoodoo path, it would be hard if you don't have that ancestry. Not impossible. It's not a closed religion. It but would be difficult. It would be harder. <laughs> and then on the other side, Wicca fo- focuses much more on deity than on ancestors. So it's mm-hmm. not as important in that that path. So definitely consider how big um, your ancestry personally is to you. Um, For me, it's not because I am adopted and my mom is Irish and a bunch of other things, but she doesn't like practice (laughs) any sort of um, anything from Ireland. I don't even think she recognizes St. Patrick's Day. So I don't really have any connection with Celtic beliefs. My dad is from India. So I he was raised Christian though. So he doesn't even have any Hindu beliefs or anything. So I have no experience with either of those. And I am adopted and I am personally German and Italian and probably associated with Italian the most, but again, none of those things are really important to me. So I don't personally feel the need to follow a path that focuses on my ancestors. It's just not something that comes up for me. And I'm a mutt. So I also have not done a lot of ancestry work because there's no one place that my family is descended from they are very much all over the place uh where they come from and i guess but some people um ancestry is very important to them there's certain you know traditions certain areas in the world where it is the most important and that will heavily define your particular pagan path and choices mm-hmm. in and there's witchcraft. nothing wrong with that so next up is you've got to think about how do you like to learn or how would you like to learn Some pagan paths have certain structures and hierarchies that you have to follow, not only when it comes to your education, but that you just have to memorize, straight up memorization. Um, So for instance, certain Wiccan traditions like Gardenarian usually have a coven structure with a high priest and priestess that you can learn from, but you also have to know not only the high priest and priest hierarchy, but how they teach you is going to be very defined and structured. Uh, additionally, because Wicca has become a very popular pagan path over the past couple of decades, there's a lot of opinions out there. So you could possibly join a mentorship program or there's a lot of online courses you can take. And some of them are great, guys. 
But other pagan paths may not have as many books or uh, established structure in how things are taught, not even like an order. So for Norse paganism, there are maybe two ancient texts. And if you can read them, you put in a lot of study just to read those. Uh, Druidity has none. There's nothing written down. They just, they had other priorities. There aren't as many books or courses to explain how to practice a certain paths. So contemporary practitioners means you're going to have to do a lot of your own research on those kind of things. So it really just depends on how much work you want to put in, how you learn. Do you like that structure? Do you need that structure? Or can you go out and search out the information you're looking for and find what feels right? There are some witches who feel right at home in a library and can spend days on end there. In which case, you might find that you just want to keep on researching and learning for yourself and pick any one of these paths. But some people learn better in a structured environment and there's nothing wrong with Mm -hmm. with either way. Um, And you'll probably know just based on how much you liked school, (laughs) honestly. And college, like what kind of classes you picked? Did you like classes that had a structure and a syllabus and had discussions and somebody leading you? Or did you prefer to read the materials on your own own and Mm -hmm. learn it for yourself? And that would apply the same way to learning witchcraft because some are just going to have a lot more information. Wicca has so much more information than anything else out there in forms of like books and tutorials and things. And And even they disagree. um, Yeah. Some, some, some paths just don't have anything or like very limited and you really have to go and search it out. So that's a good thing to think about before Mm -hmm. you dive in. Something else to consider is whether you want to practice alone or as a group. So obviously the pagan community is growing all the time, which is awesome. Um, we have it here, we have it on Discord, on Instagram, we have our own little, you know, pagan community, but certain pagan paths have more community, actual like events and meetups than others. So if you want a coven or a group that has a lot of meetups, yeah. that would be Wicca. Uh, and even most large scale events, like they have like pagan pride and things like that. There are mostly focused around Wiccan traditions. Like the, that's just there's how just it more is. Wiccans it is than more popular. There are these individual other paths. <laughs> but if you uh, think that practicing with others or having that sort of community isn't that important to you, then you have more options when it comes to pra- like which path to follow. And I do think that you can with the internet you can find community in any mm-hmm. of the paths. It's possible. But if you want like in-person meetups that are easy to find, it's yeah, going to be Wicca. Almost exclusively. Having said that, start practicing and let belief follow. You don't have to be called to a particular path when you get started. Uh, maybe ever. We've said it before. You don't need to define yourself. Start practicing. Um, but if you incorporate a lot of practices that fit your well-being and work with your life and you feel are connected to and important, see where that leads you. Belief will follow. Your path will find you. And that's the very last tip that we have for finding your pagan path is just to trust yourself. Um, The best way to decide is just what you feel drawn towards. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's going to be certain paths that you gravitate more towards than others. And you probably did just listening to this episode. You probably already have a list of ones that, you know, you want to research more and you, there's probably ones that you just zoned out while we were yeah, talking like, about them. <laughs> so just trust your intuition and see what feels right. There's definitely no rule book when it comes to paganism and pagan paths. Um, you have the ability to choose any one of them that mm-hmm. you want. So just trust, trust yourself and trust your gut as you 
start looking into them and researching them more. Um, maybe some are really focused on deity work and you start doing it and you're like, you know what, deity work is not for me, then that's okay. You can abandon that mm-hmm. path. You learned something, you learned what you don't like and don't want to do. And then you can go ahead and move over into something else, something a more humanist movement that's nature-based or something like that. So lots of options, just trust that you are going in the right way. There's no time limit on it. Your path can change. You don't have to make a decision today or ever. Um, So just trust what feels right for you. And going with that, if you choose a path and you're tooting right along and you feel great, and then one day it doesn't fit you anymore, don't be afraid to turn. Find a new path that works for you as you are now. So you don't stay on the whole, pa- the same path your whole life, or maybe you do. It really depends. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's perfectly fine to change and grow and have have things adjust with you. You don't have to um, completely abandon one way for another. You can kind of combine mm-hmm. the two, um, but just to you know write things down, trust yourself and see how things grow. Cause even for myself, mine practice is completely different than what it was like yep. a year and a half ago. I mean, the world is completely <laughs> different that. than what it was a year and a half ago. So the, yeah, world is different. My life is like personally is totally different than what it was even six months ago. So my practice has totally changed. It used to be, I mean, I was, I was always kind of in the American, Appalachian granny like tradition um but I definitely used to be much more eclectic in practice and not follow a particular tradition and my witchcraft was more like hearth witchcraft and focused on the home and pretty much just like the people in it which would be like me my husband my dog just kind of about it but now mine has shifted and grown just a little bit but it's way more um like the Appalachian tradition, it's way more about being sort of a, you know, doctor, witch, where I do way more healing and things for other people outside of my home. And on the flip side of healing, I do way more hexing, cursing, crossing, and jinxing because you can't heal if you can't curse. That's one of the um, tenets and sort of this like Blackthorn path is that you've got to know all of it. So that is kind of like how mine evolved and has evolved in the last year and a half. So even since starting this, this podcast, mine has changed. So there you go. Nothing wrong with that. So this was a very long, uh, you did warn them though at the very beginning. You told them. I did. I did warn you guys. Um, so again, all of these notes as you're listening to this are up on whichwednesdays.com and also on Patreon. To, so you can look through the list and get the actual correct spelling <laughs> of everything that we talked about. Sorry, you can uh, research these little, <laughs> yeah, these little bits um, for your own and to see if anything um, sparks an interest in you. Um, all of that will be listed to make it easier for you. And we have another long one next you're week. Welcome. So this is, this is why the last... This is why the last two were short. Okay, last two or three were short because we knew this one was coming and the next one is like 45 minutes. Well, the next one is short and then the following (laughs) one is long. We're we're spacing them. Is it? Yeah. Is it the following one after that? Episode 68 is going to be long. (laughs) Strap in, everyone. (laughs) I feel like we should start those episodes like, please get yourself a beverage and make sure you use the toilet before (laughs) settling in or listen to us at yes, two times there you speed. Go. That's the way to make it go faster, too. We're, we are not I would to love to see hear how fast we go. Can you even catch our words? 
If you listen to us at two times speed, I don't know. I feel like I talk as I was fast say, as, you we know, talk Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I, I know I talk <laughs> fast. <laughs> and that is all we have for you this week. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Need even more witchcraft? Subscribe to our Patreon account for tons of exclusive bonus content and order supplies from our Etsy store. Reach out on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast or by email to witchwednesdays at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.